Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 46. Ben, we're back. Morning, Nate. Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. I'm looking outside, seeing some rainy weather here in western New York. But, uh, hey, I'll take it because my grass is pretty it's pretty shot, and hopefully it'll get green again. So It's the same uh, in South Florida. It's been pouring since last night. You guys got a hurricane coming up, don't you? Did I see that this morning? Or a tropical storm is brewing in the Atlantic. That's It popped up on the Weather Channel. So I don't know. Maybe news to you, but shouldn't be that surprised because you live in you know, the Atlantic coast of Florida. Yeah. Just kind of used to it. I mean, it was funny. I heard somebody said yesterday, they were like, you know, you're in the middle of hurricane season. I'm like, it's really kind of the fall when they really start forming. And yeah. Up and then we start locking. This down. is, this is like the real early edge of hurricane season. So, yeah. So, well, cool. Glad to, glad to be back for another awesome episode here. If you are a first time listener, thanks for joining us. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and get the latest content as soon as it drops on Fridays. Make sure to leave us that review. I've had a lot of people reaching out to me via LinkedIn the last week or so with questions and advice. We appreciate that. Um, we should probably start using those questions as our questions on the show here, Ben, instead of pulling some, some hot random Facebook ones. So a lot of people have been asking me, hey, how do I get started? Or hey, I'm new in it. Any advice for me? Stuff like that. So um, keep reaching out. Keep asking questions. I'll help everyone as much as I can. And make sure to refer us to anyone you know in the industry that might find this relevant or helpful. So we're Absolutely. here to, we're here we've to have got, a conversation. We've got everything updated on, on LinkedIn as well. If you want to share that with any of your other colleagues or on LinkedIn, also appreciate it. Absolutely. So awesome. So uh, we're back again. Quick little sports rundown here. I'll take the MLB side of it and then we, we can talk about some golf stuff. But uh, um, baseball's back. All right. This is dropping Friday. So as you listen on Friday, last night, which is actually tomorrow for me and Ben, the Yankees are kicking off against the Nationals. So, um, quick, uh, quick little highlight. My my home city of Buffalo here was in the running to host the Toronto Blue Jays since Canada did not want to let international travel for them to have a home uh, home stadium there in Toronto. So, we were excited for our AAA Buffalo Bisons who don't have a season this year to possibly host. The Blue Jays, some Bills fans, or I should say Buffalo fans, even made a Buffalo Blue Jays logo, just kind of mocked it up, looked pretty cool. But Ben, your Pittsburgh Pirates are actually going to host them as of like early this morning at PNC Park. So they're splitting wow. splitting PNC. Yeah, that yeah, might be news to you. And I did yeah. listen to Pittsburgh Sports Radio this morning, and I don't know how I didn't catch that. It was mostly Steeler stuff in between when I was kind of doing some other things, but I guess I missed yeah. that update. That's so awesome. PNC man. Park, man, splitting 260 game seasons between the Blue Jays and the Pirates. Um, so cool. The other thing, so Joey Votto, the uh, Cincinnati Reds player, had made a statement. So there's no, obviously there's no fans in the crowds uh, or no fans in the stadium. So people are, you know, some some franchises are doing like, hey, fan, you can donate 50 bucks, 100 bucks, get a big cut out of yourself to put in one of the seats. Um the other thing they did is someone brought up the idea of having fake crowd noise and Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds was just absolutely appalled. He's like, I don't see any way that anyone's going to want to keep this. Uh, basically imagine like the sound guy that does like the intros and announces the lineup, mm-hmm. just playing like a clip of, you know, like a, an overlay of people cheering. It's just, it's terrible. It is. You know what it reminds me of though? I remember back, you know, when Peyton Manning was playing, they used to pump additional music through RCA. Isn't that where he played? And to just intensify the crowd noise. So it's probably nothing new as much as it would seem bizarre to the players where nobody's yes. there. And it's just right. artificial Artificial yeah. crowd noise, like driving an electric car with the engine and they're coming through the radio, right? I would say you're probably better off just like micing up one of the local bars in the area and just blast that crowd noise. Because then you have actual cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, million dollar idea, verbal trademark. All right. So the, um, the, the hot topic, I know you didn't see it when it happened. I didn't see it when it happened. I had to watch the, the replays. Bryson at, uh, I forget what, 
tournament it was over the weekend. He hit. It was at Mirfield, yeah. Mirfield in yeah. Ohio. It was the second week at the same course. John Rom won, but Bryson blew up with a 10. Why don't you walk through what. Uh, yeah, so here, here's what happened. I actually read a thing this morning. It was called like the anatomy of a quintuple bogey or whatever they call it. So basically, it's a par five. He tees off, goes into a water hazard. So now he has to pull out. He's sitting two. Hits a uh, fairway wood, goes up the right side, just past a fence. So now he's OB. He's got a re-hit. So now he's laying four in the same spot. Does the exact same thing again. And it was a little bit less out of bounds on the second shot of that same exact uh, play. But um, he even, like, debated whether he was inbounds or out of bounds based on where the imaginary line would have been, if there was white stakes, yada, yada. So he lost that. Sitting six now. And still back by his water hazard from his tee shot. Finally gets it up, just barely misses another water hazard. So nice sitting seven, chips on for eight, two putts for 10. Um, unbelievable. I'll tell you so what. It was, it was, they, they called it the Bryson meltdown. It was pretty funny because he just looks so pissed. And he's a big guy. Like, he, he's, he's a, a kind of really guy. He's a really big that, guy like, now. He's like 235. He like, Happy Gilmore and putter, yeah. t- putter throw or snap it over his knee. I don't even know, man. But Here comes the wow. putter throw. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you uh, what, classic though. movie. Doesn't it make you feel a little bit better though, as a weekend golfer, to see that even the best in the world have those holes? It always makes me feel just a little bit better, right? Yeah. So I played. Uh, I played eighteen holes on Saturday. We had a couple of rain checks for my league. We had to make up. So I actually shot the second best round of my life. But again, I Phenomenal. told you last week, I'm I'm a bogey golfer. So I shot an eighty five um, on Saturday. That's a solid round. Yeah. For me, it's great. If I yeah. if I break ninety, I'm happy. I my previous record or my my best record's an eighty four. I shot that at the Kanapali Kai course in uh, in Maui last summer. But I was just I was in the zone there. That's so, awesome. Man. I was feeling great. And, and even with an eighty four there, I still had one hole. It was a par four that I had an eight on because I couldn't get out of the sand after like an eighty four with an eight is a yeah. is hell of a round. Dude, I was I was crushing it, and it was like the seventeenth hole. I was so pissed. But it was still a great game. Still, still a great day for golf. So, the only other thing I have on uh, sports, the uh, according to Las Vegas, like the odds predicting websites and all that stuff, the Washington Redskins are officially being called the quote Washington NFL franchise currently until they can pick a new name. So, they're not even listed on betting websites as the uh, Redskins. At least that one I saw. But that's about it. You yeah, know? they're running out of time. They're going to have to come up with something quick. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, what I think they, training they camps are supposed to start like within the next few days, like the 25th or something like that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it anything goes else on there. sports. Any, anything good, exciting. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, John Rom definitely took a win. He would have won five under except that his ball moved, didn't notice. And it was probably one of the best shots of the entire tournament. He chips in for a two, didn't know the ball moved and they caught it on the camera and they actually stopped him walking into the scoring tent and said, Hey, before you sign your card, did you know your ball moved? And you could tell in the interview, he absolutely didn't know. Yeah. You know, he was ahead five strokes. So whether he got assessed the penalty or not, it was still a win, but yeah. Frustrating nonetheless for John Rom not noticing that his ball moved. So I, I don't know the answer to this. What is the penalty if you sign a bad scorecard? Is it DQ? A, just, are you just disqualified? Yeah, DQ. Okay. Yeah, that's ninety nine percent sure. He would have been DQ'd from a win. <laughs> yeah, from a win, right? And we're talking. There's a lot of zeros on those purses. So yeah, great All field, right. great tournament, but eh, he came away with the win. So, so let's get into the meat and potatoes here. We, we have a, a great episode today. This is 10 ways for freight brokers to generate leads. Because this is one of the things that we get asked all the time is, how do I get new customers? Um, so here's the deal. We're going to give you some tips on where to look and some resources and how to do it. At the end of the day, we can only give you so much information. You have to actually apply this stuff and there's, there's some trial and error. You know, nothing works perfect the first time. So use what we're going to discuss here. Take our advice and the experiences that we're going to kind of share with you and put your own spin on it. Because Ben, I think you would agree with me that there's no, there's no perfect script. There's no perfect prospecting method. There's no perfect close. Everyone's a little bit different. What do you think? In fact, in fact it's quite the opposite, right? But one of my favorite lines is, knowledge without application is largely useless. We can give you all the information in the world. You're not going to do anything with it. 
you are full of these crazy, cr- crazy quotes. I've, I've been noticing this. Big acronym, short one-liners. I mean, that's part of the coaching, man. <laughs> that's, that's what we do at Southwestern. Those are the things that resonate though, right? Like yeah. I can teach content. It's the one-liner that'll typically stick with you. And that's one that has always stuck with me as, hey, learning and reading is phenomenal. If I'm not going to put it into practical, actionable use, it's really just entertainment at that point. I'm with you. Yeah. Like I always think that, um, you know, training somebody on something is probably the best way that I can perfect my skill at that exact same thing. So hundred percent teaching somebody else, being able to disseminate that information shows that one, not only did you understand it well enough to teach the next person, but you're also seeing the applications, how to use it and definitely reinforces it creates more of those neural pathways so that, you know, you can go back and retrieve that information later. For sure. 100%. So let's get into it. Number one on how to generate leads, Zoom Info. So Zoom Info, if if you guys don't know what this is, Zoom Info is a either free or paid for service that offers you essentially access to a database of contact information in which you can search by job title, company, industry, all that stuff. Now, Ben, I don't know if you know how it works. Do you know how they get their information or no? So, I've got some assumptions. I've got the answer if you don't. And I want to hear this because the interesting thing was I just got my login for this. I've used some other people's throughout, you know, the past couple of years, but really just dug into this again yesterday and it is phenomenal. I mean, most of the information that I had found was accurate and it, and it seemed to hold up where other sites that I've used, it's kind of hit or miss. You can do, you know, a couple hours of lead research and then none of the phone numbers work. At least from yeah. what I could see, most of it seemed pretty accurate. So Zoom Info is very accurate and here's why. So there's the free, like I said, free version and paid version, okay? So I've used it in the past. I had a paid version. We paid something like five or six grand for the year for a team of like five people to use it and we, you get a certain amount of contacts. So I think we had like 10,000 contacts for the year you could pull, mm-hmm. it was like five grand. So you're paying, you're paying a lot of money to use it if you're getting a paid version. Now here's where they get their information from from the free users. So when you're a free user of Zoom Info, you get access to like maybe 10 contacts per month you can search, but here's what they do. They require you to integrate into your email server. So it's like Outlook. What it does is every email you send, it is scanning every signature that is in those threads and it's pulling name, company, position, phone number, all that stuff. So that's why it's pretty accurate. It says it's literally scraping. Wow everyone's emails to pull it. So the question is, is there some sort of privacy issue or anything like that? Because if you're the person whose info is getting scraped, did you, did you agree to let this happen? No, but is it, you know, I don't know. It's like, it may be a gray area, but they're making a lot of money doing it. So if you have a paid version, they're not scraping your information, Mm -hmm. but if the free version, if you're using the free version, they're scraping all your emails that you're sending out. And I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole and probably talk for hours just on all of the user agreements that we all kind of agree to just when we use some applications, different aspects on our phone, who's taking our data, what's happening with it, everything down to like, I've read articles on smart toothbrushes that are sending that data back to somewhere where they're using it for something else. So, I think there'll probably be some type of reckoning at some point in the future where something will happen. Somebody will have not foreseen that consequence and we'll see some type of regulation later. But for right now, it's a great resource and it saves a ton of time, not dialing numbers that aren't accurate, not having to vet emails that bounce back. And and if you're really trying to do some good lead gen and you want to actually save some time by not having to call some missed numbers, or, you know, other wrong, wrong numbers, wrong email addresses. I think it's pretty helpful. I mean, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I will. So here's my two caveats to it. Number one, Zoom Info is going to have majority of business contact information for somebody. So I tried using it in the past to get um, personal cell phones and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting them. And once I figured out how they're getting the information, I verified it with the Zoom Info rep. I realized, well, this is business email. So they're not going to list their cell phone all their time. Um, So you're going to get business information, contact information for somebody, which in this industry is good because you want to get a hold of them at work normally. Um, Second caveat is if you are using the free version, just know that your customer information is being tossed out there for everyone else to search through because it'll be in your email. So just some uh, food for thought on Zoom info. But 
anyway, great way to, um, to find contact info for certain people. Remember the, the kind of job titles that you're going to want to look for is somebody that is controlling freight. So that could be a traffic manager, logistics coordinator, shipping manager. Uh, what other kind of titles you got, Ben? Load planner, um, you know, head of procurement, director of transportation. It, it depends on the size of the corporation. The titles yeah. usually change that's big versus small. But you know what it just gave me a good idea is if that's how they scrape it, most people have an email that they don't necessarily use that much. And couldn't you just sign in with that email? Let them scrape the emails that you don't typically use for work and then... Suppose you could. There's always a way to make it happen, right? Just the thought, right? I dig it. All right. So that's Zoom info. Good tips. Number two, reference USA. Ben, I want you to take this one because this was new to me. So what this you got? is one I used a lot of my previous employer and in previous careers. Every city or area that I've worked in, you know, and probably the handful of them throughout my career, the local library, that's how we've accessed this. Reference USA seems to be tied to almost every local library that I've ever seen. So it's a free resource. It's one that I've encouraged newer reps to use because first and foremost, and maybe should have put a disclaimer on before all of these is exhaust the free ones first. See what you can do without having to spend money before you start to spend money. That way, at the very least, one, you can save some money on the front end, but two, you're also able to see what you get at no cost to evaluate whether or not the cost is worth spending on some of the more expensive ones. And that was one of the reasons why I've always encouraged people to use Reference USA is you can just get a library card, typically log in through that library's website, and it works very similar to the NAIC codes. Um, it's, a, it's a national database. It usually covers all of North America. So you can ship, you can find by industry, you can find by region, you can find by zip code, employee size, employment size, revenue size. You can really dig down into the types of company you're searching for, which has always been really helpful to find companies that may or may not necessarily be on the radar. There are a lot of shippers out there that don't have a website. There are a lot of shippers out there that do business with other corporations, other companies. They've been doing business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They don't have a need for a website. They've got their sales reps. They're not out there. Those are, this is another way to find them because they're still incorporated. They're still in that database and we can find those. Those are just less likely to have been blown up by a bunch of other brokers and carriers calling them to be onboarded, right? Less competition, more likelihood you're going to get through to the decision maker. I like it. So this is, is it a digital database? It is. Yeah. So okay. like the one I'm, I'm now in South Florida. So the Boca Raton library, I log into their website. I pull up reference USA and I can search by any metric and they get the company's name. It's not going to give you your point of contact. It's not going to give you the name, the title, the phone number, the email address, but it'll help you identify some companies that you would want to target that then you could use that information, plug it right into Zoom and find who that person actually is. There you go. Now you've Take got you back it. in two different sources here. I like yep. it. That's cool. That's a new one for me. So yeah, get, get your library card, folks, and go get some free access to Reference USA. All right, number three, Google. And this might sound obvious, but some people will get to Google and they'll have no idea what to search for or what to do. Um, side note here, Google Alerts. I know there's an episode previously on just on Google Alerts, how to set it up, how to use it. So check that out. Basically, you can set up alerts to get daily, weekly, whenever you want that are searching for um, you know keywords like you know new produce shippers in the area, or you know you can list your competition, you can list the industry, and it'll give you like a daily digest of what's going on in your area or in that industry. Uh, so you know if a customer has a pain point, it's going to pop up in the news, yada yada. But other than that, Google overall. If you search a company name, usually on the right side of your search results, it's going to give you like Google Maps, address, location, yep. phone number, everything. A lot so, of relevant information. Like you said, any yeah. news, anything that's going on in the area. And it's also going to give you, we've talked about this in some other episodes, it's going to give you that relevant piece of information in a lot of cases to build a rapport with that person very quickly too. Agreed. Have you seen any specific way that people use a Google more than just like, Lumber companies in Boca Raton. More from <laughs> you know the I mean? general, like, yeah, more from the general standpoint. I, I mean, yeah. I loved some of the tips that you had talked about in that episode, the alerts, being able to set that up because that's going to help you find some things. And if, if you're the first person to notice that and you get on the phone with them and you have that relevant piece of information, that's really key, right? 
That's the one that's going to help you connect very quickly with the person you're trying to reach. It's going to help their guard come down a little bit and it's going to help you build rapport and enough rapport that you can have a real conversation with that shipper as opposed yep. to just calling through, hey, how do I get onboarded as a carrier? Hey, how do I get onboarded as a shipper, right? Yeah, I'm with you. And I think uh, as a last little tidbit, Google is always a great place to just double check any information. So if you, you just want to make sure you got the right phone number or the right company name, address, or whatever, it's going to link you to not just Google Maps and the address and contact, but it'll link you to someone's LinkedIn page or to the company's website or to a news article. So it's just a good way to double check a lot of different things. So that brings me to number four, LinkedIn. And this is a good one. This is my so, favorite. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn's great. A lot of people aren't using it. Um, now here's the deal. Not everyone's on LinkedIn. Not every shipping manager is on LinkedIn. Not every company's on LinkedIn, but there's a vast, there's just a ton of information, a ton of people, a lot of communities, a lot of web or companies that are on there that it's a great free place for you to get access to uh, other people and get connected to them, have a conversation, figure out where they used to work. Maybe you have an old um, you know, company in common with them, or you, maybe you know somebody in common, they'll tell you who your connections are and who you have in common, all this stuff. So what have you seen is a, a good practice to use as far as LinkedIn. How are people using LinkedIn? So I'm going to go through a couple ones that we coach on. Um, you know, one is a basic LinkedIn technique where that's going to be just a quick search, right? Searching for the companies, search for the names. You're just going to do a general search, use it very similar to a search engine, right? That's the first one. Where like you said though, you can also review the profiles for relevant information. You can get some insight into people's likes, dislikes, hobbies, some personal info about their past. That key information is gonna help you build rapport, right? You're gonna find that in just your basic LinkedIn search. The other one is that once you've saved those searches, now you've got an automated lead source. It's gonna start kicking you these things that meet these criteria on a weekly basis. That's just another way. Remember, if you're using all of these, you should be able to generate a probably 100 to 200 people to call on a weekly basis if you're using all of these effectively. You're not going to get them all in one place. Another technique that we cover, it's the super sweep technique. Now, what this is, is this is conducting an advanced search with only the first and second connections selected. Now, why do we do that? That's so that it only returns people who are within two degrees of separation. So you make sure that that super sweep, right, is at least one of your saved searches. So what that's going to do is, let's say I pick Nate, it's going to show everybody that he's connected to one person removed from me. So if I wanted to reach out to somebody that Nate knows, I've got a mutual person to name drop going into that phone call. Third way we look at it is called the repeat feat. And that's where we're going to be adding existing and past customers to our network to grow our existing network of connections, which is what everybody should be doing regardless. If you've got a new customer, if you've got somebody you've already done business with, somebody you've already worked with, you should be connecting with these people because you know what? People aren't going to stay at the same job their entire career. Average person stays at their job two and a half to three years right now. Maybe you worked with somebody, maybe they aren't in a position to help you right now or you and vice versa, but two, three years from now, you may be, and you wanna be able to continue to have those relationships. This is a great way, cost you nothing, and it keeps those connections for you. And yeah, I'm the with last, you. The last way, right? The simple sweep, and this is just an advanced search function. You fill in the criteria for the person or the position you're looking for, such as you know, shipping manager, logistics coordinator, whatever that title is, right? You can put in there, and then it's just for the United States or that local area, you'll get the results that are most relevant to you. So kind of the three ways, basic LinkedIn search, super sweep, repeat feet, which you should all be doing anyway to just broaden your network of existing people and simple sweep, which is going through the titles that we had mentioned, looking for those people in there. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the big things that I always do as a best practice. When I talk to somebody new on the phone or via email, I usually look, look them up on LinkedIn almost right away and try to send that 100%. connection out if they're on First there. thing I do. And the other thing too is if you don't know what keywords to search for as far as a job title, look at a company, pull them up and you can see a list of their employees, right? Now everyone has different privacy settings on there, but simply clicking on, like it might say, you know, ABC Produce, you know, 36 employees, click on that. It'll tell you everyone that's in there. But, you know, it's going to have a lot of irrelevant ones. But you'll get to that one that's 
procurement manager or logistics coordinator or, you know, department or uh, director of transportation or logistics, whatever. You'll find them in there as long as they have a profile. The last thing on LinkedIn is the, the, uh, the messaging feature. So by default, and I th- this is pretty funny. So by default, a lot of people don't change their notification settings. So if you send them a message on LinkedIn, they're going to get an email about it. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, I didn't check my LinkedIn. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you're going to be blowing them up and they're to their Gmail or whatever email that they're using. So it's a great way to get in front of people. I, I just always caution people, don't, don't be too salesy. Don't be too, you know, spammy on LinkedIn. You'll get blocked. People will hate you. You have a bad yep. reputation. It's so funny. You, you get a new connection request, you accept them, and you get a spiel on why you should buy life insurance from them. And I'm like, come on, get out of here. Yep. So- well, and before yeah. we go past that, the one thing I wanted to add, it's a little off topic, but it's something important to mention about LinkedIn is if you've got existing customers and you've got raving fans right now and they're willing and happy to tell other people about how good of a job you've done, ask them for a testimonial. It costs them nothing, costs you nothing. And for five to 10 minutes to have that conversation with a customer you've been working with for years, ask them to write a recommendation, have them put that on your LinkedIn page, right? The more you have there, the more valuable you look to potential shippers or potential customers. And everybody likes to know that other people are working with somebody, right? Another free resource. If you're in there anyway, you're using it this way, you should be able to leverage some of the work you've already done in the past, right? I'm with you. That's a, that's a good point there. Uh, So let's get to the next one here. This is how to, use your BOLs to generate leads. So this is number, uh, number five on the list here. Um, this could be follow the BOL. We even have a little caution of back solicitation in here. So how can a freight broker look at, so first of all, you got to have existing business. Otherwise you don't have any BOLs. Absolutely. But how, can they, how can they utilize the movement of their bill of lading to generate new leads? Well, for one, you're going to see who you're delivering to or picking up from if you've got the other end, right? Depends on who's tendering the freight, but you're usually going to get insight into who that person is on the other end. So if you're dealing with the receiver and not the shipper, now you've got the shipper's info and vice versa. You usually have the contact and the title and the direct line of the person you would want to be prospecting. And this is big for carriers. Most of the carriers I've worked with throughout my career, this is one of their number one ways that they look to generate more businesses. When they're at a shipper or receiver, they introduce themselves to the dock manager or the guy that happens to be there. That's how they're building rapport on the ground. And, you know, the little brackets that we have in here in regards to like a cautionary tale is back solicitation it's not really a slippery slope. There's a fine line. If you've got a broker giving you that freight or somebody that's worked really hard on that relationship and then you're going to backdoor them, it's the one thing that I would caution against, right? Because it, I'd always think of this. I don't know if it was Warren Buffett or somebody I know that said this, but it's, it's a famous quote that a reputation takes a lifetime to build, right? And it takes a moment to basically burn to the ground, right? Yep. This is one of those moments, right? It seems easier. It seems beneficial in the short run, but I guarantee you when that broker, whoever you're working with finds out and they will, you're never going to do business with them again. You're going to be black flagged. You burn that bridge and you're going to get that. You're going to have that, you know, out there. People are going to know that about you. Yeah. Not to, you know, not to mention a lot of broker carrier contracts have a clause that prevents, or I guess it shouldn't say prevents it, says you cannot back solicit. So, absolutely. Um, and, and it's important to make sure that if you're, if you run your own brokerage or if you're smaller and you haven't looked at your contract, make sure that that's in there because that can, is everyone going to follow the rules? No, but does it help prevent that to an extent? And protect yes. you, right? Absolutely. So, You've got at least the groundwork to stand on when it does happen to go back and point out that this isn't a gray area. It's specifically stated. It's specifically outlined. This is against the provisions of the contract you're in violation of it. That's why you're not going to do business with us again. That's how that's yes. going to play out. So, but in a nutshell, follow that BOL. If your customer is the receiver, look at the shipper. If your customer is a shipper, look at the receiver. If you've got five stops along the way, look at all those stops. Great ways to try and generate additional leads for yourself. Just follow the BOL from start to finish. Yep. People don't think about that sometimes. It's a pretty obvious one, but easily forgotten. So good discussion on BOLs. And especially if you're a broker that's been in business for years and you've never done it right, think how much of a resource that is looking backwards. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. All right, you've got NAIC codes in here. I'm gonna let you take this one. So NAIC codes are really, it's really similar to kind of Resource USA, but what NAIC codes are is that any company that is going to be registered, it's the North American Industry Classification System. What it is, is it's used by all of the countries in North America to identify which of these six digit codes the company falls under. Where I find this or have found this most useful is if I'm going to dig into an industry and let's just say I want to start prospecting steel, right? It's going to allow me to break down and see all of the companies that are in there. So it's a great way to group and to do some lead gen. It's not really going to help you with a contact name. It's not going to help you with a phone number. It's not going to help you with an email address. But what it is going to do is it's going to help you target companies that likely aren't on your radar. Ones that you're not going to find on Google unless you are specifically searching for them, right? So it's another way to throw a net over some things that's going to allow you to bring in more companies to look at, identify as possible opportunities to prospect. That's good. Yeah, I've, uh, I've never used that one before. I'm familiar with NAIC codes. Um, I've more so seen them. So just s- side note here, part of the reopening phases in New York State, there's a, there's a website. If you're a, like a business owner, you can search to see if you're allowed to be open or not. And it has you search by your NAIC code. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Well, it's by industry, right? And if you yeah, aren't an exactly. essential good, that's how they quantify or, or not quantify, qualify who yes. has the essential goods and what business class they actually operate in. For sure. All right. Number seven is to look for those tight areas around the country. So this is great. This is where as a logistician, you can really put on that problem solving hat and be a value added partner to somebody and not just someone that's trying to beg them to move their freight. So tight areas, you kind of talked about it a little bit in the past with the ambulance chasing, right? But let's, uh, let's, let's dig into that. This could be, it could be, you know, seasonal based on produce and locations. It could be, um, you know, global um, trade could affect where markets get tight. What, uh, what do you got on this one? What's happening? And and it's, it's always going to be shifting, right? It's the one thing you and I have talked about a bunch is the supply and demand is how this industry moves, right? The trucks move from one area of the country to the next area of the country based on what season, what's shipping, and typically on what's predictable. Right now that isn't, right? But great source, freight waves, freight waves, um, they do a video, they do a YouTube on sonar. They've got some content out there where it shows you state by state and region by region who is tight. Um, which is very useful right now because we're not falling under predictable patterns. So like I was looking at it this morning and they were going through who's tight this week. They named seven seven states and that's where the tender rejections are up. And all that really means is the asset carriers, the contract carriers, they don't want those lanes. It's not profitable for them to be there. So they're giving those loads back. What's happening? Or they don't have the capacity. Or they don't. Yeah, correct. Or they just don't have the capacity. So they're shifting. That means that shippers and that's the, that's the other piece of this, right? If somebody's benefiting, somebody else is, I don't want to say starving or hurting, but the shippers are having an issue there. There aren't as many trucks, which means that their last minute loads, the orders that are coming in that they aren't aware of are going to be much harder for them to cover. The likelihood of a shipper in that area having a problem when you reach out to them just goes up. So if you want to find an area where you've got the most likelihood to find a shipper with an issue or a problem or a service failure, that's where you want to go to find that information. And then from my point of view, what I would do is once I've identified the area, then I'm going to use one of the other resources we talked about earlier. If it's tight, absolutely. I want to think about is what type of shipping season am I in? What's happening this time of year? Then maybe I'm going to jump in and look at the NAIC code for that region, search by it, look for company size, and then I'm going to drill down to that region. That's how I generate my list for that day. One of the other things to mention here, why that's so important is it also allows you to have consistent conversations throughout the day. If you're calling into the same shipper type into the same region over and over throughout the day, do you think you start to fall into a rhythm on what you're saying? They all tend to have the same problems. They all tend to have the same dialect. You can get into that rhythm much easier than calling Maine and then Florida, then California, then Nebraska. There are different rates of speech depending on where you're talking in the country. If you can group those together, it just makes that job a little easier. I'm with you. And uh, just to hit on the, the tender rejection, um, tender rejection on the asset side can be a, a good thing for brokers when you can hit on that spot market and really leverage your smaller 
carrier relationships, those owner operators and small, small fleets um, that maybe don't have big contracts and don't have tenders to reject. Right. So that's where you can really maximize that. So good, uh, good stuff. Next is by industry. And I want to, I want to hit on the chamber of commerce part of that. So um, there's a lot of ways and some of these overlap. And like you said before, that one of these can partner up with another one, or, you know, you can leverage for these um, ways to generate leads to help, you know, your overall process of lead gen. So chamber of, Com- chamber of commerce searching is one good way to look at the overall specific industry that you want to target. So for example, and I did an episode on this in the past, I looked at the Georgia Chamber of Commerce website. Most states have one. Um, some counties um, or other municipalities will have them as well on a smaller scale, but you can go in and look up contact information by industry throughout that region, whether it's state, county, municipality, whatever. And it'll give you name, address, contact information for anyone that matches that search. So this is a, you're going to get really good relevant information because it's they're registered with that location, with that state, county, whatever. Um, but not everybody registers with the Chamber of Commerce. So you might kind of hit a dead end or run, run dry on these leads, but it's worth looking at because it's going to be accurate information. So what else Absolutely. you got for buy, buy industry? Um, it's a great point. Um, buy industry, going back to tight areas, I, I'm always going to tend to then use them in tandem, trying to find that industry. And, and why I want to look by industry is they're likely to have the same issues. They're likely to have the same problems. They're likely to have the same operating capacity. They're likely to have the same throughput, right? The same problems tend to be more industry specific. And if you've got them grouped together, you're going to get better at talking to that type of customer. And on the other hand, that's one of the things I see most in coaching is I have brokers that have been in the industry five, six years. They tend to only call into the same industry. So where that's an asset, we want to be cognizant of it because you should be diversifying as well. Yes. You find yourself only calling a certain type of shipper. This is a good time to start looking at some other ones that you aren't comfortable with. You're never going to get comfortable until you start. So the best way to do that is to literally just act, right? Pick another yeah. industry and remove in that direction. You'll get comfortable. You'll get confident in it. It just takes reps. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% of the way. Diversifying is going to be a huge key to success, really in any industry, but especially in this one. Because let's say you just do produce. Well, there's different produce seasons throughout the year. And what happens those other few months of the year when you don't have any business going on? You got to diversify. So it's a, it's a good point. Yep. All right, so let's get into the next one. So and I love this one, referrals. Number nine of ways to generate leads for a referral broker is referrals. So with referrals, a lot of people never think to actually do this. And it's, yep. it's mind boggling to me because you've already got customers that you are working with successfully. They're happy with the relationship. You're happy with the relationship. The best way to try and leverage that is ask them to like, hey, who else do you know or who do you do other business with that I could help them with, you know, how I'm helping you. Um, one of the, one of the ways that I've seen people do this, especially in freight brokering is, and again, you've got to already have business to use the referral method to get additional right. business, but to put a, you know, a referral package or program together, people will have it in their email signature and says, Hey, refer me a customer. Um, you know, someone I could help out if I move a load for them. Um, I'll send you a referral bonus of 50 bucks or hundred bucks, something like that. So that way, it's super easy for them. Hey, I know so-and-so over at this location. Here's the information. They don't have to set up the call for you, but they can at least get you the contact information. And then like, you know, like we said on LinkedIn, if you know somebody in common or common, you have a, um, a mutual name you can drop, yada, yada. So referrals, huge. What do you got, Ben? So a few things on that one. Absolutely. It is enormous. And I think it's, it's probably the most overlooked one. Um, and I think it's because people assume that if they're talking to somebody in a shipper, like who are they going to refer me to? Right. And I think it's just not understanding what we talked about earlier. The average person does not spend their entire career at one company. And if they are a shipping manager, a shipping clerk, head of procurement, they've likely been at other companies. Right. So they still know the people they worked with two years ago, three years ago, a year ago, that are in that other organization that have the same need, right? So one, they do have people to refer you to. The biggest reason I see people avoiding this and not getting referrals is because they just don't ask. They're scared to ask, it's fear. It's the same reason they don't wanna pick up the phone. They don't wanna put somebody in a position where they've gotta tell them no and they don't wanna face that rejection. So what do they do? They avoid it, right? 
but it's the easiest thing ever to do is just like you said, we're at the end of a conversation. You're my shipper, Nate. Hey, Nate, I just found a problem for you as the context. I'm going to follow up with, hey, Nate, you know what? While I have you on the phone here, maybe you might be able to help me out in another way. Is um, anyone else you know or maybe that you previously worked with that might find some value in the same type of conversation we just had? That's it. I, I'm with you 100%. And that, it's funny. I've talked to people in the past that they might not have been the qualified kind of person that I was looking for in my search. But then I asked them, who do you know that I could help? Right. And that's Bottom. a great way to do it. Another way too is be the person that gives a referral, even if you aren't solicited for it. So like, for example, Ben, you and I are in the same industry, but we're in different lines of work. So I have referred people to you in the past without you even asking me, because I know you're very good at what you do. So by being good at your job and having a good work ethic, referrals may come naturally. So um, ask for them for sure, but you know, do the right thing and it'll come naturally as well. And one thing to tie back to it, right? The point before, Chamber of Commerce, if you've got a shipper and you've been doing business with them for a while and they trust you and you talk to them every day or every couple of days, right? Look to see if they're a member of their local chamber because if they are and they've been for some time, they know the other shippers in that Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Another source. And if you've already found that, like if I know Nate's in the Chamber of Commerce and I found that out, I might've been working with Nate for two years. I can now on my next call be like, hey, Nate, do you happen to know Chuck and, and Bill over at whatever that company is, right? Nate's gonna go, oh yeah, you know, it's been a while since I've seen them, but I know them. Okay, now I've got a warm referral. Now I've got an easy end to somebody that like I wanted to be intentional about actually being introduced to. Absolutely. I like it. All right, number 10 on the list. And I got I to gotta warn you, I, I've actually never used this myself. I just heard people rant and rave about it is the, the blue book, the produce blue book. So to my knowledge, and have you ever used this before or no? I haven't. I've heard of it okay. though. <laughs> so, so essentially it's a, a directory, but it's very, very focused just on the one industry of produce. So um, carriers, shippers, all in there. Um, people will buy memberships or however you get into it. They'll like, hey, I got the blue book. I'm making calls. Um, my only caveat to this is that you can get all that information for free in any of these other ways that we've just mentioned. So kind of an asterisk next to uh, the blue book, but it's out there. It's, it's industry specific to produce to my knowledge and um, you got to pay for it. So, but it's a tool. Thing. It is. And, and I think that's a great way for us to kind of maybe even wrap this up is that everything that we've just gone through is a tool, right? And if you want to look at it visually in your mind or however you want to picture this, we gave you 10 tools, right? you're not going to fix a car. You're not going to fix anything you're working on with one tool, right? You've got a task and your job is to complete whatever that is. Your job is to find more people to contact, right? Your job is to fill the bucket of the people you're going to now go and reach out to with your activity. These are 10 different tools. They'd be used in tandem with each other. Some are better at other things. Some are going to provide more benefit at different times of year, but you want to be able to use all of the tools in your tool belt toolbox, right? As opposed to just being stuck in one. It's going to give you different views of the market. It's going to give you different ways to look at it. And it's also going to help you uncover some people that likely aren't being called by somebody else. Agreed. I do have an honorable mention, a, uh, a, a number 11 per se, is the everyday items in your life. For example, what are you drinking? Look at the back of the can. What are you eating? Look at the box. Look at the bag. Walk into the grocery store. Look at who is distributing those items or those goods. Yep. And that's a great way to just come up with some random leads. So everyday I've items. Got, yeah. I, am, I remember I had a colleague that ended up with a six figure customer out of that. It, it was like a, it was a box. So I think it was pasta and uh, found the name on it, contacted them, looked them up and found, and it was a kind of an off the radar company ended up shipping with them. They weren't called that often and it ended up being a huge win. They're everywhere. Nice. I mean, the industry we're talking about literally drives the economy. Anything we see, buy, use, pick up at some point in time or was on a truck, right? Somebody moved it from point A to point B. Agreed. So yeah, definitely, definitely take advantage of that. So, all right. Um, so that's our, our 10 ways with an honorable mention that freight brokers can generate leads. We've got two questions here to wrap up the episode. Um, the first one, and Ben, I want you to, I want your answer on this because I've seen I've got mixed responses from people. I know my opinion, but I want to hear yours. So Jacqueline on Facebook asked a question. Um, here's the situation. She had a 
she's a broker. She had a carrier that she sent a rate confirmation over. The load was, I think it was 46,000 pounds. And the carrier actually was loaded at 46,500 pounds. So the carrier loaded 500 pounds more than what the rate confirmation stated. And her question was, as a broker, should I be paying my carrier more money for loading an extra 500 pounds? What do you think? I think the obvious one is, well, if it wasn't a per pound or by the weight variable cost contract, then the answer is no, it's a flat rate. You agreed to it. It is what it is. But I want to add some context to this because without context, I mean, it could mean a bunch of different things is if you sold the load and, and the driver asked you and said, hey, I can only scale 46. I can't scale above this. I've got a heavier tractor I'm pulling, whatever that is and you intentionally told him it was only 46, but knew it was 46.5, like one, it's definitely unethical and should avoid that. That's going to harm your reputation. That's going to prevent you from building long-term relationships with carriers. In my opinion, if it's a gray area, do the right thing. It's not going to break the bank either way. If it's a carrier that you want to keep doing business with, do the right thing. Work to some middle ground. You don't necessarily have to pay that, But if it's care you want to keep doing business with, my thoughts are I I want to kind of move forward to do the right thing and the right thing for both parties. Because in a lot of cases, sometimes the broker doesn't know. The shipper might have told the broker it's 46. In fact, the shipping clerk might have thought it was 46. The guy on the loading dock might have found an extra part of a pallet that needed to go that nobody was aware of. And it's not necessarily anybody's fault. And it's not necessarily anybody intentionally misleading anybody but I think that's where most people jump to in that part of the conflict, right? The carrier and the yeah. broker, you lied to me, you didn't pay me enough, you misled me, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that, you're right. And a lot of times with social media, somebody posts something, we're missing a lot of the important context details. Like you said, was it per bag? Per, was it a per some kind of hundred weight type of rate? Uh, was mm-hmm. it a flat rate? Was there, could they scale? What kind of equipment was it? Who made the mistake? You know, there's all kinds of variables. So I'm with you. That's a, that's a good one. All right. The last question comes from Austin. Austin asked, what are the best load boards to use for flatbed and also for hotshot? And he actually specifically asked how do DAT and internet truck stop, or I guess truckstop.com, how do they rank? Um, so as far as flatbed, historically, truck stop has seemed to be kind of the breadwinner for flatbed to, to my, in my experience. And you know, what's funny was just off the cuff when you first asked me that, that's exactly where my mind went. When I shipped a lot of flatbeds, had a lot of flatbed customers, I was always on truck stop. I could see the lanes better for some reason. I think there was more capacity. It seemed like there was more business going through on the flatbed side. I don't know. It's a function of the way it's set up, the visibility, but it always seemed to be my go-to when shipping a lot of flatbed, a lot of steel, a lot of open deck work. I I will add to this that you should probably be using like Dat and Truck Stop are the two big ones. Use both. Like yep, think about this. If you're, if you're a broker at a larger brokerage or if you're an agent or if you own your own company, have, have both. And hopefully your TMS is integrated. So you're just it posting sh- it once. It should be, right? Yes. They and offer integration with just about any, it's all API. It's just about right. any TMS. Truck Stop and DAT will integrate in. You build it once in your system it'll spit out an auto refresh onto DAT and truck stop, usually at a minimum. I've heard of other TMSs that have additional load boards as well, like post everywhere, mm-hmm. one, two, three load board, you name it. So well, I think you're right, Nate. I mean, I, I'm all, I get the bootstrapping. Hey, for a small, for a small business, a small company, you want every dollar counts, right? You know, watch the dimes and the dollars will watch themselves. But this is a perfect example of you should be using both. They're both very large and they're both large enough that you're missing capacity if you're only using one or the other. Exactly. It's worth the cost. If you're going to pay, like, I don't know, I went over the pricing in the past, but you can get access to basically the cheapest version of DAP for like a hundred bucks a month or 150, something like that. Yeah. That takes one load. One load. To pay for itself. Yep. One so load. One extra truck. Food for thought. The other the other part in here was on Hotshot. Um, so, you can, there is hotshot capacity listed on the big boards like truck stop, DAT, um, post everywhere does have some smaller hotshot boards that are part of it. Um, I will also reference in here Selectus, although you have to be, at least currently to set up, you have to be an asset-based 
uh, carrier, or you have to be a broker that has an asset division to be able to, to get in there. But that's very good for expedite and hot shots. So like straight trucks, um, literally like a Ram 3,500 with a 20 foot flatbed, like, yep. you know, box truck, you name it. So that those smaller, uh, expedited or hotshot loads, that's a great board for them. But again, they're going to be able to be posted on DAT and truck stop as well. And an asterisk on that one, make sure you're looking at what they scale before you're booking them on the load, right? Oh yeah. Like, take a look at that. Dig down. I, I mean, they have their Dimensions use. We definitely need deal. them. But yeah, pay attention. <laughs> the last oh, thing yeah. you want is to get this, book this guy there, have him deadhead a hundred and some miles and then not be able to scale the load. Yeah, that would suck. And a lot of that, that hotshot stuff, it's got to go. It has to go and it's got to yep. go now. You might have production shut down. A lot of this stuff is like related to like retail or you might have um, like uh, a machine part that failed and production is stopped at a plant or yep. an aircraft engine part and the aircraft is on ground. You name it, right? These are, these are hot loads. It's called hot shot for a reason. It's got to move. So you don't want to be that broker that lost your shot with that shipper because you screwed up the brokerage part of the equation, sent the wrong carrier or the wrong equipment in there. Next thing you know, they're out $200,000 and lost business because you made an error. And so. it's, it's way bigger than that. I, and I can tell you, one of my colleagues in, in my career, that's, that was one of his largest customers, was shipping airplane parts to grounded airplanes around the country. They've got to get back up in the air. And the cost was phenomenal for the airline. And I oh, mean, yeah. every load was always open checkbook. I mean, you might be a $3,500 weight. They're like, we'll pay up to 20 grand to move this because it's going to cost us over $100,000 if we don't get the plane back up. Yeah. So, your baby's hitting those loads though. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to oh, have yeah. some nights where you're not getting your, uh, your full night of sleep because you're, you're Chuck calling every hour. Chuck calling every hour and a half, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Where is yep. it? Where is it? Where is it? Exactly. So, well, good discussion. Good questions there from Jacqueline and Austin. What are your final thoughts here? Anything that you want to add in? Tidbits, little uh, one nuggets thing, here. Right? One thing is that we talked a lot about generating the leads, right? At the end of the day, without the activity, this doesn't do anybody any good. You could have all the leads in the world. If you're not picking up the phone and you're not actually dialing and you're not reaching out to these people and following up consistently, it's all for naught. Yeah, I agree. As, a, uh, as an add-on to that, like we said, th these are merely a, a, just a series of resources to use. But like you said, you've got to actually do the work and it takes time, it takes practice, and it takes repetitions to get good at and to find your groove. So, um, like it kind of goes back into last week's episode too, is there's a lot of fear that comes into the actual prospecting part of the equation here. But if you can, like we said, if you have the knowledge, you can get rid of that part of the fear. So, if you know the right person to get a hold of, their contact information, what time that they're open at, when they're busiest, Google will literally tell you when a company is busy. Yep. Like it gives you like that little bar graph. It says, oh, they're really busy at two o'clock. So yep. don't call them at two o'clock. So just a, uh, yeah, fun little, fun little tips there. So hopefully, hopefully somebody got something good out of this episode and learned something new. Always a pleasure, Nate. Of course. Well, until next week, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining and make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that I referenced on this episode and feel free to add and message me on LinkedIn for suggestions for future topics. See you on the next episode.